Okay. All right. So um, hopefully we won't hear any. We will. Do- <laughs> she'll like come up and. And then she'll bark at, bark at some demon. Yeah, in the backyard. Because mm-hmm. we have a ton. Dad and overgrown grass. That's where they hide. This is Cody Dagalorians. This is Neil Dagalorians. And welcome to another episode of Bearded Fruit. Bearded Fruit. Making fruit with beards. Ugh. That doesn't sound appetizing. No, it doesn't. It sounds like it's been sitting on the counter too long. Mm. Um, yeah, so so we're, yeah, we actually made it to a second week after our break. Oh my I'm goodness. Super excited about that. Oh my goodness. I know one of us would maybe rather be playing Pokemon right now. Uh, a little obsessed, maybe a little bit. It's not me. I don't know who we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's not me. Of the two of us. Yeah, like literally it's been all who morning. Who would want to be playing the Pokemans? Yeah, so we're recording this on Sunday morning. Well, Sunday afternoon, I guess. It's Sunday close to one, after, one in the afternoon. But Neil basically spent the whole morning with his DS um, pretending. I actually thought he was mad and trying to avoid eye contact with me. Mm-hmm. But he was really just in love with Pokemon. Well, I mean, I was, but... Oh, what? That's really, no, don't. I can't have an, exi- an anxiety attack on the podcast. That's, yeah, you can. Yeah, that's, that's a very makes, special episode. That's what makes it interesting. That's what makes it interesting. Yes. So this week on the podcast, we're going to talk about um, something, uh, so an, an interesting story that I read this morning and uh, kind of like branch out from from their, from their this story. So um, it it's a news story I read uh, in Illinois that adoption advocates and agencies in the state of Illinois are making a concerted effort to reach out to the LGBT community now that we are, what, a, two years, a year, two years post marriage a year a year year post a year and a half post marriage equality now that we are in this place where gay couples can now be married they're reaching out to lgbt couples uh, to encourage them and to consider adoption and to grow families Mm -hmm. because now with marriage equality and all the legal benefits that come with that um family creation is now a real thing Family creation available at Walmart. So uh, Susan McConnell, who was the founder and director of an organization in Chicago called Let It Be Us, it's a nonprofit adoption and foster care advocacy group. Uh, In this article, she's quoted as saying, quote, across the country and especially in Illinois, we just don't have enough people who have stepped forward. And we think that in the LGBT community, there are people who would be good parents. And they're sort of seeing uh, the LGBT community as a, a new place to look for families. And that's funny because it's like, regardless, for decades, queer families have existed, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It, it's funny that they're all of a sudden now just like, oh, here's this completely untapped market of people. Um, but I mean, like, for years, like decades, um, same-sex couples have been, like, figuring out ways to have and, and for lack of better words, get children. Yeah. Well, and I think that, that that's part of the... Part of the challenge before was that a same-sex couple who wanted to have children, unless one of them was biologically the parent of that child, mm-hmm. you did really have to create this piecemeal set of protections for your child because they weren't naturally granted to you 
um, through marriage or those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But um, but there are there are a lot of kids in the foster care in the foster care and a like state protection in Illinois, and uh, there are 17,019 children in foster care in Illinois, Uh, and on any given day, about a thousand of those kids are available for adoption, and so now LGBT parents are being looked to as possibles. Yay! Yeah. Uh, An interesting thing that that article also explored was the benefit for older kids in the system who perhaps maybe identify as uh, queer mm. or or questioning that LGBT parents make a great place for those kids to land. Wow, that's so strange and weird. Who mm-hmm. would have thought that? So there's a couple, uh, Dawn Perani Brumfeld and her wife Rachel. They live in South Deering. They're in the process of adopting a 13-year-old girl named Alicia. Well, her 13-year-old named Alicia. She defines herself as gender nonconforming. So she's not a girl. She, she is... She's gender nonconforming. Uh, and this is what Rachel had to say. When she came in, she just thought it was the best thing ever that we were married and we were same gender. And she felt that she was going to be safer with us in her own gender expression and sexuality. Yay. Yeah. And so there's so LGBT couples can engage kids in the system who might otherwise have a difficult time finding uh, a loving and embracing home. Um yeah. And give them one. Well, and like, even just without adding the queerness to it, just kids who are over a certain age already face obstacles in finding a home yeah. um, because everybody wants babies. In the same sense that, like, oh God, never mind. I'm not going to make a parallel between like adopting dogs and adopting kids. No, okay. <laughs> In the same I sense, mean, you could go ahead. I mean, I mean, like, I don't know. Well, okay, so. They're, they're all sort of like really interesting statistics. And by interesting, I mean completely believable and predictable statistics where like it's white babies who are getting adopted. Yes. Um, whereas like um, babies of color um, are not getting adopted as much um, as white babies are. Um, so then, of course, like you, you see a lot of the kids who are still in the system at a certain age, they do tend to be um, POC. Yes. And like that's part of that perpetuating. Well, and there's something interesting um, that I found, uh, and I guess to sort of connect this to why I know this, uh, we have recently begun a conversation about... Um, That's a good word for it, a conversation. A conversation about adoption for us, about making a family ourselves. And um, now that we are in a place that we feel pretty comfortable in and we feel like we're, we're pretty stable, we are now married for two years and really are doing an awesome job you want to high five that high five that was an okay high five that was an okay high five at best um it was like a high four whoa um but we've been having this conversation about this being a thing that we might want to do so i did some research into connecticut uh, adoption laws and and procedures and one of the interesting things i found in the reading that i did that uh, the definition of a special needs child in, in an adoption sense, isn't just a child with like learning disabilities or maybe physical disabilities or mental disabilities, um, but it's it also includes just older children. I did not know that. And children who come from a racial background that may not be easily adoptable. That mm. that makes them special needs adoptions. Well, and like just I I think that's interesting because it kind of it kind of 
foreshadows the understanding that, um, like, say, say black kids have a different experience than white kids. Yeah. So, like, they have special needs in that regard, in, in regards to who's going to rear them and who's going to take care of them. They need to be sensitive to those needs that are different from how white kids experience and navigate the world. Yeah. So that's really interesting. That, that makes sense to me uh, in a certain way. Yeah, and then older kids have uh, an infinitely harder time finding families because parents who are looking to adopt on the whole generally are looking for a baby so that they can start with a wee one mm-hmm. and um, and live that whole experience because they either, for whatever reason, cannot uh, have a child of their own. And so older kids, once they reach a certain age, are kind of stuck and mm-hmm. at, at making adoption much, much, much harder for them. Yeah. Um, although, but interesting, like to connect to our conversation about it again, we both that's our, our, like our, our preference would be an older child. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me, I wrote a play called a home across the ocean. Uh, oh my God. Now many years ago, shameless self plugging. <laughs> well, six years ago and I worked on this show and part of the, part of the, that narrative was, a, is a, a, an older child who was adopted by a gay couple. So I did some research about older children who are in the system and who, who are adopted at an older age and, and those specific challenges. And it was very moving to me. I remember we had a talk back during one of the shows with an adoption worker in New York because the show ran uh, in New York city. And he talked to, he specialized in older kid adoptions mm. and talked to us about like the real challenges and his personal journey of adopting an older child. Like he mm. had, he had, I think he and his partner had adopted uh, a young boy who was 13 oh, wow. and like talking about how satisfying that was and how like it was a difficult journey, but it was incredibly worth it. And they had this, this kid who they adore and who blossomed in their, in their family. Mm-hmm. And I was, I always thought, that since I was not in a position to really make a child on my own particularly easily in a relationship with another man, like there wasn't really like a simple way to do that, Mm -hmm. that it only made sense if I was going to become a father, then I would, we would be the perfect family for a kid who had a hard time finding one. Mm -hmm. You know, that made sense to me. It may not be easy for you to be a father, but it's very easy for you to be a daddy. We talked about that last yeah, week. Yeah, I know. I was, it's called <laughs> tying it in, tying yeah. it in. Season two of Pond. <laughs> right. Yes, because we're going to construct a complete narrative about how I am old and a daddy throughout all of our episodes. We're telling this in order, so start back at season <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so here are some interesting facts about gay adoption. Uh, to you know, the, I think earlier Neil hit on a point that... Uh, it seems like, oh, they're like, oh, hey, LGBT people, yeah, you should start doing this. But the reality is gay couples have been doing this for a long time. There are um, 4% of all adopted children in the United States are living with gay and lesbian parents. Yay. That's a good number. There are more than 16,000 same-sex couples uh, who are raising an estimated 22,000 adopted children in the United States. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's interesting that a lot of those families... It's like a 1.5 average. Yeah, like All these gay people have half a kid hanging half out. Half a kid them. hanging out. Uh, which half? 
Um, the lower half, probably. Here's some interesting things. Same-sex parents in the United States are four times more likely than different-sex parents to be raising an adopted child. Mm. Among couples with children under the age of 18 in their home, 13% of same-sex parents have an adopted child. Mm. Compared to just 3% of different-sex parents. Oh. And uh, this one made me particularly happy and ties into uh, our... our season's theme apparently the median age of same-sex adoptive parents is 42 oh as opposed to 44 for comparable opposite sex parents which i did not know oh wow really yeah um but 40 i did not know that the median age would be 42 i would have totally assumed that i'd be like knocking on the door of no way <laughs> knocking on the door of no way <laughs> yeah a new uh, play but i'm not there yet i'm not even to the median age yet mm-hmm. so yeah holla. yeah you're below average i'm below average um so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess just like personally, being a parent was always something that I wanted mm-hmm. to to do. And this would be an interesting conversation for me to have with you. I don't think I've ever asked you this. I know with growing up at the moment I did, coming into my own, uh, and seeing the way that LGBT people were treated in the world, that desire to have a family was kind of beaten out of me for a while because there just seemed to be no way to do it. Mm-hmm. Like it was like I can either A, marry a girl and have a family and do that and just like not want the D, or I can have the D. And not a family. <laughs> family or D. <laughs> family or D. <laughs> but, you know, Damn like it. coming out in, in 1994, that's kind of what it felt like. It felt like you're making this choice between these two things because the reality of like marriage and a family was completely uh, n- like it was an unrealistic goal. Mm-hmm. Did, did you feel that? I mean, coming out at a much later time. Um. I guess for me it was different because um, it wasn't necessarily that the desire was beaten out of me so much as it was made very abundantly clear that that's not a thing my people do Mm. because, I mean, representation matters. So I didn't see it. Um, And, like, I I didn't know anybody... I mean, I, in retrospect, I did, but, like, I didn't know anybody who was actually, um, being raised by same-sex parents. Um, I didn't know anybody, um, who were same-sex parents. Um, and I, I, I really didn't know any queer people until, like, I came out myself or, like, something like that. It wasn't until I was, um, into my teens that I really finally started meeting queer people and understanding that queer people exist in the world. Um, so, like, it it wasn't even necessarily a thing that I thought about because, like, once I kind of had that realization that I was different um, and that, like, embracing of it. Because, I mean, I, I grew up really heavily in the church and there are definitely expectations that come along with that um, that I definitely tried to live up to. But once there was this embracing of my queerness uh, when I was around 16, it just kind of dropped. It was just like, well, this is what I'm doing, so... I might as well not think about that anymore. So I just didn't, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, and I think I, I felt a similar thing too, that there is such a very clear idea about what being gay meant. Mm-hmm. And if you chose that, then these are the things that you have to do. Mm-hmm. And you don't get a, a larger menu. Whereas now I'm hoping that young people feel like that's not true. I'm hoping that 
we're inc- we're increasingly showing and demonstrating that being LGBT can mean a very large spectrum of things. You can be a parent, you can be religious and and queer, which was not something that you sort of felt you could do. You could you could be a Republican and queer, even though why would you want to do that? Yeah, that's gross. You can be a Republican, but why would you do that? Why would you do that? Whoa, burn, getting political on season two yeah. of Bearded for Right, like we've never talked no. about politics before. Yeah, so um I I would be interested to talk a little bit of it too about that um, stigma in the LGBT community against family making and heteronormative mm-hmm. behaviors because I know that 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 is real about marriage that mm-hmm. there's this there's this notion that by agreeing to undertake marriage as an institution we're just trying to be like straight people mm-hmm. and then in than in moving toward family and adopting a kid, it's even more so like, quote unquote, acting like straight people or wanting to be straight people. Yeah, I think, I think um, there is a certain amount of heteronormativity that comes with desiring children, but I think, I think there are definitely avenues in which, because I mean, like, the queer police, as I like to call them, who are like, you're not queer enough, or what have you, um, have some certain valid points in regards to how gay people treat each other um, in that regard, and how idolizing a heteronormative standard is problematic at the end of the day. Um, and, to, and, and, and there's validity in that argument. Um, but I think... There's a huge difference between gay men who find surrogates to have their children versus what we are talking about doing. And I feel like, I feel like, um, if anything, queer adoption is subversive. And I think especially queer adoption of older children is subversive. And I think that there's definitely a valid argument that you can say that. Um, not that I have any problem with gay men and, and gay women like having children biologically. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't have a problem with that, and I don't find it problematic. Um, but I can see that side of view of the radical queer yeah. argument, and right. I can understand where they're coming from when they say that. Um, but I think that there's no... It's really hard to deny the, the subversive nature of queer people adopting older children who statistically don't get adopted as much and who statistically have a harder time I mean, it's just one marginalized population helping out another marginalized population. Correct. How is that not subversive? And then creating what is essentially like the the tradition, the most traditional unit that one can mm-hmm. can come up with, like a two parent household with a kid. Yeah. And in our case, a kid and a dog. Yeah. Like that is the most. That's taking like we're literally, getting raw nuclear. Yeah, here. like kid, you know, taking individuals who are at the margins of of society or have been those experiences have been at the margin of society Mm -hmm. and reconfiguring them in a way that looks most like the mainstream traditional and yet it's completely different because like when you when you raise a child you get to discover who they are as they discover it whereas in in our case if we were to get an older kid there are certain parts about them that we don't get to discover because they've already discovered it yeah so like we figure it out a different way um so so like that I don't know that's queer why isn't that queer that's queer I call it queer I claim a queer claim with a Q Q L A I M claim 
Kulem, which sounds like a, a meal that we might have, like an appetizer. Kulem sounds like a really bad rapper, and he just <laughs> cannot get a break. And uh, I actually, I really liked his mixtape. I don't know. I thought it was really good. Kulem. Kulem's mixtape was really amazing. Kulem Sauce Volume One. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was really amazing. Uh, Joaquin, can we run one of his tracks? Joaquin. Uh, no, sorry. Joaquin doesn't have the mixtape handy yeah um i would love to also swing back to something that we kind of like just kind of glossed over but i'd love to go back to it is talking about um lgbt kids who are in the system and uh why it's so crucial why would it be so why it's so beneficial for lgbt parents lgbt couples to become parents to those kinds of kids Mm -hmm. you know i think my parents were amazing, and they were not LGBT. My parents are are none of those uh, letters in the acronym, and they still gave me like a super safe space. But when I think about like what that would have been like to to grow up with a with a queer couple, are you okay? I have a really mean joke in my head right now. Okay, let's not share it. I'm not going to. Thanks. I'm that just... can be for the unedited <laughs> that we no longer do. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that'll be for like the behind the scenes bloopers reel from. Um, oh man! Anyway, in the, the season, no, like uh, I, I, you know, I think for a kid who is who is in the system, who's already looking for a family, who's being who's LGBT, and who is maybe like expressing their gender visually in a way that is uh, um, unnerving for a, for maybe like a quote unquote good Christian couple, you know, mm-hmm. who's just looking looking for a kid. To have a couple look at that kid and go, yes, yeah, they're like, wow, you're amazing. We can give you a space, and we know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, I can certainly see, and like in my growing up, it would have been awesome to have that early on at some point. To not have years of feeling like I was awful and disgusting and a mistake. You know, that would be it'd be great. And so I'm really compelled as a as an adult now mm-hmm. reaching the median age for adoption for same well, sex couples. And, and I think like adoption isn't the only answer and the only yeah. way that people can help and do things. Um, f- we need queer foster parents. Yeah. We need queer foster homes. Um, isn't there a show about that on ABC family right now? Aren't they, isn't it called the fosters? Oh, I thought they were just the fosters. I thought that was just their last name. I haven't watched the show. I mean, it might be, show. but I, I, like, it's, it's along those oh. lines. Oh. It's two women. They foster children, I guess, or something. I don't know. I'm, I don't I'm really good at pop culture right now. Yeah, I don't know. Representation matters. I believe do they're you interracial. Even, do you even, even know what we're talking about? <laughs> Sports. <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, I guess I was also just to kind of like move toward the end, I guess. Um, I spent some time, as I said earlier, researching um, these things. And um, I got a chance to, you know, on the various websites, there is an opportunity for you to look at kids who are up for, who are up for adoption. He's already decided who we're getting. Well, I was more going to like say something kind of a little sweeter and maybe sad, but um, (laughs) no, like it was, there are a lot of uh, looking through their stories and looking at each of these kids and sort of like really feeling very deeply for them and seeing these like awesome kids who were smiling and who, you know, the, the little bios are very, very upfront about their challenges where kids have 
challenges connecting with adults or have trouble making bonds and have trouble with behavior. And that's all very clear. And that's all completely ex- understandable and unexpected to some degree. Like there was, um, there's this one kid who had this like little video attached and, um, he in it that he talks about like what he was looking for in a family and the thing that he says in his little video is like the only thing that I really just want I just want a family with a dad because I've never had one. Oh my god! And well, and like and, and then, so your mascara is running and you're like I'll give you two. Yeah, but but no, like but I in hearing that like something really like resonated really deeply inside about how much how much I wanted to be that. Hmm. Like, I was like, I really want to be that. I really want to be that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, not to get crazy therapeutic session, therapy session here on the podcast, but there's been a lot of changes in the last two years in my life personally. Like, I was so arrogant when Neil and I first got together. I was like, okay, you're going to go through a lot of changes, young man, in your life because you're still growing. But I'm pretty much who I'm going to be. No, these were... (laughs) literally actual conversations, multiple conversations we had. And every time I would be like driving home from like whatever we were going at. And you were, you were turning so red right now. You were so embarrassed of how you were. And I was was like, I was like, okay, queen, we'll see what happens. And I am a completely different person today. You got an undercut. (laughs) You have a couple more tattoos. I mean, but at kind of at the heart of one of the things that I've been thinking about lately, particularly since kind of around 40 was happening and life was changing very rapidly. I was feeling like I was drifting away from one kind of thing that I wanted in my life to something that I didn't quite know what it was. And I'm starting to feel like that's what it is. Mm. Like that being able, I've had an awesome time being a playwright and being an actor at one point and I taught and now I have like this really nice job in the arts where I'm, I don't have to like make stuff, but I get to make space for stuff, which is kind of nice. But there's now this really kind of deep feeling like being a dad would be a really awesome thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it would be a really great life and a really great next thing to be. Well, you can be the, the, the rules dad. I will. I will absolutely be the rules. I'll dad be the because, modestly absent dad. Yeah, no, I think you'll just be the fun dad. I'm I'll be, be the, the fun dad. dad who's playing Pokemon with our kids. I'm gonna be the dad who has to like say no, and the dad who has to like have the comp- the hard conversations. Where do babies come from? No, I'm not having that conversation. You're making me have that conversation. No, we're gonna hire a person. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone out there wants, no. where is that consultation? Um, service? Where is that adoption like, service? Um. No, but really, like being a dad would be a pretty awesome thing to be. <laughs> Next, so so um, this is little Dominic. He's five years old. Um, yeah, yeah. Is he is he house trained? <laughs> Does he know where babies come from yet? <sighs> you know that we were really hoping that those things would be taken care of, but we'll take him. That's terrible. I know. I'm sorry. I'm not that. Of sorry. course, he would be house trained. I'm gonna go to Burger King. No. Um. So. Do you have anything else you want to say about babies? Children? Children. Baby children. I don't know. I mean, in my own personal... I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out if I actually want kids. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) After you give that whole, like, being a dad is the next thing for me. And I'm like, I just want to paint and, like, make art. And I don't know. (laughs) 
awkward. A little bit. A little bit awkward. No, I don't know. I, I something that like so like you were looking at the kids earlier and like there's very specifically this one girl that you kept coming back to who's like 14. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not old enough to biologically be her father. Mm. Like, and that's the thing that I kind of struggle with right now is like having that kind of, that doesn't exist in me. That, that, that kind of instinct doesn't exist in me like it does in you. And I think that is kind of an age thing. Yeah. Um, whereas like my brother who was about, my age if not like a year younger when he had his first kid like there's a difference in that situation as opposed to suddenly having a 14 year old Mm -hmm. child in your care like there's a difference and i feel like while while you're in the whole dad headspace i'm in like the middle school counselor headspace where i'm just like let's talk about feelings your time's up bye go to your next class well what i think is really and it's, it's something that i think is great about our relationship is that our our one our relationship contains these two perspectives mm-hmm. like it's not two people at the same place even though there are a lot of common ground and a lot of similarities between us it's we're not at the same place we're two very different places in our lives and that i think is a strength i don't think i don't see it as a weakness mm-hmm. or a, or like an obstacle i see it as a strength mm-hmm. and um this is not a tomorrow process like yes i did kind of fall in love with that one girl but <laughs> i'm i'm not like sitting here going and then tomorrow she'll be here no i mean this is like a couple years this is a process that's going to take a while and it's 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 an ongoing conversation. Maybe we'll have two dogs at that point. Yeah, I mean, maybe I we'll just... have a hamster. Maybe we'll have a live-in boyfriend. Yeah. Who knows? Whoa, that's a whole. That's next week, I guess. We can talk about that next <laughs> week. That's a whole other topic. As always. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's. I think this. It's an ongoing conversation, and um, I'm glad that I'm glad that we can have this conversation as a legally married couple. Like that's a nice thing. Mm-hmm. That we're not going to have to piecemeal together some rights and protections for a kid. We it, it's it's already done. Yay. That's the way it would be for a straight couple who wanted to adopt. Hey, thanks, Obama. Yeah, well, he didn't really do it, but <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, we thank you. Thank you. As always, uh, we are really appreciative for everybody who listens to the podcast. And uh, if you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, you can head over to uh, iTunes and subscribe. You can also leave us a review or some stars, which uh, helps us out and lets us know that we're doing a good job and you're liking what you hear. You can also find us on Facebook at Bearded Fruit, and you can find us on the web at www.beardedfruit.com. And uh, until next week, um, I will clearly be wanting to be a dad and neil will be not sure and you know what else you're going to be doing what stealing more library books apparently stealing more yeah maybe okay well i didn't steal them i just forgot to return them i just noticed them on the bookshelf a year ago <laughs> it's been a while so i'm going to continue to be old i'm going to be old and continue to continue to not return library well like the i'm sure the fees now are like i need to take a loan for them or something uh, um it's a lot. We should just buy copies of those books and send them to the library and be like, we're sorry. Here are no. new copies. No, they're just ours now. Um, Manifest Destiny. Remember that one time I could never get a library card ever again <laughs> yeah. in my life? Well, it's nothing to do with you. I'm married to you. Okay. Until <laughs> next week, we uh, will see you. Bye. Bye. Does Jesus really love me? Yes. <laughs>